Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I got a Gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Think Some Crazy podcast. With me, as always, is our producer, JP. Jay, how are you today? Hello. This is the My Family Think Some Crazy <laughs> podcast. I'm freaking crazy right now. We've got an awesome episode for you folks, but please go to www.myfamilythinksomecrazy.com. And while you're there, support us. Support us by engaging with us. Follow Please. us on Instagram. Send us an email. Send us an email. Get on the show. If you join the Patreon, you can get on the show with me and Jay. We're doing live streams. We're doing exclusive footage. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on all the places. And be sure to support us on Patreon so Jay doesn't have to beg on the corner with a can in his hand <laughs> and a guitar on his lap. Come on, folks. This guy needs to eat today. Support us on Patreon. What are you doing? Enjoy this freaking episode. It's amazing. I don't know why you haven't even listened to it yet. You should have skipped past this. A car is designed to move. You know, things stay lubricated. Things, you know, the, the rust doesn't gather on the brakes because you're constantly using them and, they're, and the tires are, are, are moving while, while you drive it. But you park a car and you store it for a couple of years, you would assume like, oh, start it up, everything will be fine. No, nothing works and everything's broken and things, you know, corroded and there's rust on this and rust on that because that car was designed to move. It wasn't designed. To, our bodies are the same way. Our bodies are designed to move. It's not designed to sit still. That's why after a long drive, you'll be more tired than the physical activity you did before or after that drive. It's just it's the drive that that made you tired. So, you know, people have to realize that like there's we're they're pushing a very unnatural way of life on top of us. And then they're giving us pills to deal with all those negative effects of that unnatural way of living. So it's like, you know, here's some poor quality food, eat on the go. They just came up with some really flimsy, uh, you know, science. And they're like, hey, this is, you know, this is how we proved it. Here we go. And it literally changed the way generations of people ate. Where like today, there's still people who will get the low fat this, the low fat that, the 1%. I mean, prior to, to this whole, you know, sugar industry conspiracy, that those things didn't exist there was no low-fat milk and sour cream and and whatever and so what they wanted to do was make 
fats the culprit and then you look at sugar like it was an empty calorie this idea of like don't even think don't worry about it little do people know that the sugar industry is huge and making millions and billions and and there's giant organizations that have influenced the food industry and and the naturopathic world and and you know alternative medicines and, and that type of world when you go into that big pharma and and, and just looking at all that history of how naturopathic medicines were at one point acceptable and then eventually became to the point where now everybody just calls it pseudoscience and, and bullshit even though like people who live the longest are, are foreigners who still use like these exotic teas and and do all these things that come from plants you know this philosophy is like use meats as your your food and then plants as your medicine Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I am your host here, solo, without Jay. I don't know where he is. I think he got lost somewhere. I don't know. I've been texting him. Either way, we've got an awesome, awesome guest today. He's the host of the Ripple Effect podcast. He is one of the four co-hosts of the Union of the Unwanted podcast. He's Ricky Verandas. What's up, Ricky? How are you? What's up, Mark? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I've known about your show for a while now. I remember maybe a couple, four probably years ago, delivering bread, listening to Tinfoil Hat, hearing you on the Swapcast, opening my mind up. Because at that time, I, I don't think I was really into like your show or Corbett or the Higher Side Chats. I was just listening like comedy and Tinfoil Hat, and I was really interested in the conspiracies. But I noticed there was this level up because like Sam's great. He gets into serious stuff. He's very fun. But there was this level up where you and some of these other podcasters were at, where you're just approaching things from a very smart, intellectual level, getting really high caliber people on your show so it's a pleasure to have you man i'm really a, a true fan and and i appreciate you being here on the my family thinks some crazy podcast my first question as always is what got you into all this what cracked the big question that something about reality was not as you were being told what was the first what was the first instance or, or hint or clue so i i think some of the first documentaries I ran into, I think the the first one that really seemed the most reasonable and what really blew my mind was Loose Change. I think Loose Change, because I was always very like anti-war and anti all. And so, and then Loose Change just connected dots that made sense to me because I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck does 9-11 have to do with going to Afghanistan and Iraq? I'm like, there's no link here. And then it's like, okay, you know, we just, they just want to, it's a military industrial complex, you know, whatever. And then once like loose change and you saw all the inconsistencies and the cover-ups and all that stuff, it, you, you felt like the way you saw the world just like shattered. Like somebody just told you that it's all a simulation. You, you had that sense of feeling, which is why I'm sympathetic to people who push back against me during a conversation or whatever. Cause I'm like, they're going through that or they're trying to resist going through that this idea of like holy shit the way i look at the world has been a lie and so i lose change in the zeitgeist movie i mean 
I'm a huge fan of Peter Joseph. He's one of those people off the bucket, you know, on my bucket list that I haven't been able to check off yet. I've been very, not to, I'm not complaining because I've been very lucky to have a lot of great guests on my show, but he's one of those really, really intriguing people that I, I would just love to, to sit down and, and talk to. And, uh, but his movie was phenomenal. And it, the first one specifically in regards to like, kind of just putting in perspective how historically we've all been like controlled by the elite and how they find different methods, you know, if it's religion, if it's a false flag event, you know, find ways to use our emotions or, or use our tribal thinking against us and, uh, and get us to, to do what they want. And so those two movies were some of the most influential in regards to initially, and, you know, Alex Jones, 9-11, The Road to Tyranny, you know, the uh, A Noble Lie by Chris Emery's and uh, the Free Free Mind Films group. They did uh, a really great documentary on OKC. And so some of those, those were kind of the early ones. And that's why people like Jason Burmis, it, it's, it's awesome to be able to like connect with him now and do so many shows together and bullshit together because I remember watching him debating people on 9-11 and what happened and all that stuff and it was uh and he was one of my first guests ever on my show too which was really cool you know and he disappeared he disappeared from the community for a while then he got back into it and he's he's one of those gems of, of people that like like you said mark it, it's there there's certain people like like sam and hired side chats that i think they all bring something different to the table like higher side chats will go down some really interesting rabbit holes of things that like okay maybe this is believable maybe this isn't you know sam brings some comedy to it he kind of you know he doesn't ever get too too serious and when i said level up i do want to clarify because now i think sam is leveled up but back then like episode 100 to 200 they were still having a lot of comedians on and like you and jeffrey wilson and like james corbett you guys leveled sam up too so i should give you some credit and clarify i wasn't trying to like say sam's show is you know there's no competition it's podcasting but you have a point we all have our own kind of element that we bring right yeah yeah and and but i i I think there's so the thing is, like, I think there's a need for those type of shows. And then I think what you meant by level up is like we like my show. Rarely will you get a show that's not hitting on a serious topic. You know what I mean? And with a, a you know, a, a serious kind of conversation where I think that probably my show can get boring to some people who might want to go down some maybe borderline fictional ideas and or maybe things that you're exploring that you're you're not really too aware of and it seems like oh that seems a little crazy but you know what let me dive deep into this with on, on this show and see if there's anything there you know and and see what this person's perspective is on this crazy you know uh, a theory so i think that's fun too you know so like like i said i think every show kind of brings a different element to it one thing that i i used to do a lot more of i i still attempt to do from time to time Back in the day, I used to do a lot of like bringing in more comedians and musicians and and people kind of outside the the realm of of you know alternative media or whistleblowers or th- those type of guests, um, hoping that there'd be some crossover. I mean, a little bit was because I'm intrigued with all these things, so I'm just going to bring people on that I'm fascinated with and I think can can bring bring the show a interesting conversation, but also hoping that there's a little bit of crossover, right? So I remember, you know, once I had a guest uh, on my show that kind of said the same thing. It might've been Brett Vinat from the School Sucks Project who was like, 
he's like, dude, you've had the amazing Jonathan on, you've had, you know, this person on, you know, that, and then you'll have like James Corbett on, you know? So the, what I was hoping was like somebody who's a fan of like the amazing Jonathan or Ian bags or, or some of these comedians that have been on the show. They're like, okay, let me check out that show or like cell dweller fear factory, some of these musicians. And they're like, okay, let me check out the next episode. And then the next episode will be something like James Corbett or, you know, whoever it may be. And they're like, Oh shit. Like I, I don't, I don't know anything about this topic or, or some doctor, you know, talking about vaccines or whatever, whatever it is. And so I was hoping there'd be some of that crossover. I know like recently Thaddeus Russell and James Corbett getting together was a big deal. You know, people are like, oh, you know, that's awesome. I'm like, well, I've had them both on my show. So, you know, so uh, that was kind of already trying to do that because, because, and I, I shouldn't say I was cautious, like consciously trying to do that. It was more like, I'm intrigued with so many different things that Thaddeus Russell is equally as interesting to me or a doctor to Christopher Ryan, who's been on my show from tangentially speaking, you know, he's, you know, he's equally as interesting to me as a James Corbett or a Ryan Dawson or a who, you know, whoever it may be in the alternative media community. So, you know, it, it's really just anybody who I find interesting. And, and I think it's also a good, it's, it's, it's a good way of kind of showing the world, like, you don't have to be either or like, it doesn't like, a you almost assume like somebody who's deep into these topics are crazy people, you know, but then you hear me have a conversation with somebody like, you know, whoever it may be, you know, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who's chief of staff for Colin Powell. I mean, this guy's not a conspiracy theorist. We, he comes on, you know, we talk about, you know, foreign policy, whatever we talked about. It was a long time ago, so I don't remember, but, or, you know, I have somebody on like Jack Abramoff, you know, from Casino Jack from that film, you know, I have these people on and I talk to him and then it's like, okay, he can hold a discussion with these people and he doesn't sound crazy. So maybe we should listen to him when he has his next guest on because he's, he's putting all these people on the same level. Like you should listen to this person and his opinion matters just as much as this person. And they sound just as reasonable and they're just as well-researched and well-spoken as this person. And, you know, I, I hope that people got that from, from the show where you could, you could do some of that. And, and I would have people on from all aspects. I mean, I, I have tons of libertarian friends, but I've also had Richard Wolf on professor Richard Wolf, who's kind of like the leading voice for Marxism and socialism and and we explore ideas you know and and i never like to decide you know i did a a, a rockfin I, I do a rockfin show like a solo show and i did one episode called ideology versus philosophy or something along those lines and it was something that i'm constantly thinking about this idea of like the the importance of philosophy and the dangers of ideology right it, it's like this idea that like once you subscribe to a ideology once you decide like this is this is where i stand this is my belief on on this topic if it's economics if it's you know whatever worldview it might be it kind of stunts growth in your thinking and 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 prevents you from really expanding your thinking like you stop questioning it it's like okay it's almost like, okay, there's this road, you visualize this road. And this road is like all these ideas, you know, while you go down this road, there's all these signs with all these ideas, then you get to your destination. And you're like, okay, I've, I've filtered out all the bad signs. I'm keeping all the good signs. This is where I stand. This is where I'm living. This is where I am. And I think that's dangerous. Like it should be a endless road that never ends of, of ideas. And you should constantly just keep 
exploring different ideas, even if it's something that you think you disagree with, or you you say, hey, I've already explored these ideas. I've came to this conclusion. And then you you stay there forever. But the danger is maybe as you get older, or as time goes by, you can observe it as a different person, right? Because who I am, you know, in 2021 is different than maybe who I was in 2019 or 2020. And as, uh, you know, as you grow and have you, as life experiences affects the way you see things, then possibly the way you see things change, right? So it's, it's like that quote, if you change the way you look at things, what you look at changes, right? And, and so as, as life goes on, every ex life experience, every conversation, and as a podcaster, that's one of the things I love about podcasts is, and I, and I tell the listeners all the time, it's like, it's not just a journey for me, but it's a journey for everybody involved. You know, it's a journey for the participants, you know, the guests, it's a, it's a journey for the host. It's, it's a journey for the people listening. Like we're all getting something out of this conversation and we're all growing, you know, and people who don't look at podcasting like that, to me, it, it's, it's, you're almost looking at it wrong because I think one of the things I, I love about podcasts is like, to me, podcasts isn't a new thing. It's, it's, you're taking those conversations, those deep conversations you have with your friends and you have, you know, you sit down, you, you, you have a smoke or you have uh, a drink and you sit down, you get to those really deep conversations where you're not really distracted by anything else. And you, you just, you talk about some really personal things or some, 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 you, you share some ideas you haven't really shared yet and you bounce things off each other. Like all you're doing is recording those and you're putting them out there. And I remember when I first started my podcast, my co-host, he's like, what the fuck's a podcast? And then I explained it to him and he's like, why would anybody want, want to just listen to us talk? And I'm like, well, why do you enjoy when we're out and we're all together with friends and we're just sitting down talking? Some of our best nights with our friends aren't, you know, aren't nights that we spend at a really nice restaurant or a really cool casino or something like that. We're just sitting down in somebody's backyard having a drink. What makes it enjoyable? Well, if you simplify it, what's what made it enjoyable was the conversation with the company. Now, all you're doing is recording that and you're trying to recreate it also during your, your podcast. And so the same way you find enjoyment out of these conversations it's the same way people listening are going to find enjoyment out of them. So I could, to me, it was like, okay, we're just taking something we already enjoy. And we're, then we're just sharing it with other people. And one thing that you find a lot, you know, and we're both East coasters, we live in the East coast, but I was getting a lot of emails and people contact me from places where there wasn't much population and they were bored or didn't have anybody around them that were into these topics. And they felt like, okay, like, this is awesome. I'm connecting with people who think like me. Or hey, even on the East Coast, is you know, you feel like sometimes you're amongst a lot of people that don't see eye to eye. That might be worse. That I, Sometimes I'd rather be in a place where there's less people, less people to disagree with. Right, Ricky? <laughs> you know, but I, I think I think you're touching on so, so many great points. I mean, I, I agree. I wish my co-host was here to hear you say this because I had the same conversation with him. Like, he was like, he doesn't listen to podcasts, my co-host Jay. And he's like, what's a podcast? Why would people want to listen to that? I'm like, Jay, I'm like, listen to a podcast yourself, find one that you like, and then you'll understand, you know, and maybe he still hasn't done that. Who knows, but he'll listen to this and he does like this podcast. So, <laughs> but back to like, you know, because the shows of my family thinks I'm crazy. You're, 
you know, however old you were, I assume maybe probably around like 20 or so, you're 21 in your early 20s, you're watching these documentaries. Like, how have you changed from that point till now with all that you've learned, all the people you've interviewed and, and how's your family kind of, maybe that's two questions. Maybe we'll leave the second question for after you get to the. <laughs> well, I don't know if I that much, but I'll tell you what's, and I'm sure I've always been super curious. I'm probably less sure about things now, you know, where like before, if I had an opinion on something, I'd be much quicker to be like, okay, I'm sure this is the way this, this works. This is the way things are. As you get older, you're like, I'm not sure of anything. Like I don't have really any real strong, passionate beliefs that I would like say without a doubt, I'd go to battle for, I mean, medical freedom, maybe, you know, that, but that's even like a very general perspective and, and opinion it, it just you know i think uh, it'd be common facts. sense yeah and com common sense you know ha letting people have control of what's put in their bodies i think is super important and that's something i've always believed in and and you know just knowing how unethical big pharma is and and just doing so many pot i mean some of my early podcasts like i did Do dr brzezinski dr gregory a. smith who did the film american addict and american addict too like i mean all of these i was always deep rooted in that that world i think a lot of these things were fringe for a long time what what's crazy is to see and and i'm sure you know it's weird because i think as we change some it's so Sometimes it's it's so slight and so mild that you don't pick up on your changes. Maybe people around me would would pick up on my changes much better than I, I would. It's almost like when you have kids, like when I see my kids every day, I don't notice that they grew. I don't notice. And people are like, oh, your kids got so big. I'm like, really? You know, they look the same to me. But it's I, I feel like that's this kind of the same thing with with us, like looking at ourselves like, you know, you feel like, OK, I haven't changed that much. But somebody else might be like, no, you really have. But I think what really has changed drastically and, and fast and noticeably is how people look at the same topics. So the topics that I would, and, and it's perfect because the name of your show is, is, is perfect for this because, you know, my family thought I was crazy and think, you know, in some cases, a lot of the things I would bring up and I'm kind of an outspoken person. If I disagree with somebody, like I'm not, and it's not because I want to get, I, I, I actually don't like confrontation, confrontation. I don't like being on bad terms with people. Like it put, it just puts weight on me. I never feel, I feel like I have to squash, squash it. I have to like put an end to it or it just keeps like just looming around me. And it's like, I have to get over this thing. I have to, I have to resolve this. Or it just always feels like there's this thing that's just not right. And I never feel great about who I am or my life. And and so I don't like confrontation. But the only thing I don't like more than confrontation is propaganda being told or people saying something that's untrue. And then me feeling like I'm contributing to that untrue lie going around. Untrue lie. Does that even make sense? But <laughs> that, that lie continuing without me attempting to plant the seed of doubt, you know? So like when a really hot topic would, especially like back in the day was 9-11, you bring up 9-11 and it was like, people would fucking call you crazy real fast. Like, what well, you're fucking crazy. There's no way that, you know, the government had anything to do with that or whatever, you know? And I wasn't afraid to talk about it. So, I mean, my, 
why I don't stray away from it is because I, I know I'm willing to have a civil discussion about it. I hope you're willing to have a, I'm like, I'm not going to name call. I'm not going to, you know, call you stupid or whatever, but I, I'm going to, you know, state my opinion, hoping you, you state your opinion back and we can have a civil discussion about it. It doesn't always turn out that way. It's easier said than done. Same thing with the vaccine thing, like the vaccine conversation, another conversation that, you know, I've always, like I said, I've always been kind of deep into that, that world. I've done a lot of shows on, on that topic. And it's, it's just one of those topics that hit nerves. You know, you, you, it was, it's really hard to have a conversation about it without somebody getting emotional, somebody getting mad, somebody believing they've already, you know, they've already researched and know the answers to it. I mean, one thing that's always been completely unbelievable to me is how many people would argue with you till the end of time about a topic that you know they have not researched because you're they're, they're like literally they have no evidence or nothing to say or or anything you bring up that is a part of your research like they're not even aware every of every argument in any instagram chat or post is like that <laughs> yeah but what's amazing is like so these topics so i mean in 2013 and 14 when i started my podcast i mean james corbett was one of my first guests too i mean i've i'm ready way down these rabbit holes and 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 you know aware of many of these topics and some of the the lies in, in regards to the you know the way the world really works and a lot of these things were so fringe a lot of these things were so like these were the the craziest of crazy conspiracy theories and now these are common conversations you could have at a bar and nobody really gets that worked up or calls you crazy because I think, like I said, I haven't changed as much as the world has changed. And I, you know, I don't know if it was Jesse Ventura or somebody like somebody said, cause I want to give them credit for it. Cause it wasn't my idea, but it, it wasn't my quote, but somebody said something like, you know, the truth will eventually always c come out. And it's a, uh, it's one of those things where you kind of feel like that's, the 9-11 and vaccines are kind of an example of it where even the eugenics conversation you know that's always something that people would talk about in the conspiracy world forever eugenics eugenics depopulation they're trying to you know kill people on purpose they're trying to depopulate they're trying to you know the georgia guidestones you know and i don't think that georgia guidestones are nearly as because there's been people who've done really good research on georgia guidestones and i think it really was like some rich people's vision on how they think the world should work. I don't think those elite necessarily had control to get that outcome, you know, themselves, you know, they might've been a part of some elite group that, that did, but you know, people are always, Oh, the Georgia Guidestones, Georgia Guidestones. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, I think that a lot of the elite have those same type of philosophies where they think that, you know, less population either for the purpose of it's more manageable or, you know, it's easier to control people when you have that many people. I mean, when you have as many people as we have right now, yeah, maybe you do get like a loose cannon, like you or me who, who are like, you know what, like, I don't believe all this other shit, you know, like, you know, they're not going to get through to me. They're not going to brainwash me. And it's harder to control people like us when there's more of us. So you minimize the population. There's less of us. If one out of every 25 people is conspiracy theorists, then there's less of us if there's less people. So that makes sense to me, you know, but even those type of topics, like you talk about uh, Margaret Sanger, I mean, there was, a, I'm sure you're probably aware of this, but there was like some, I don't know, some buildings, some streets named after her that now they're like removing, you know, and there's people would always talk about how 
Planned Parenthood was was founded by eugenicists and 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 was really like uh, racist and and all this stuff. And people are like, oh no, no, that's not true, you know. And and now you're starting to see that stuff become public. Same thing with vaccines, especially even before 2020. I mean, we still lived in a world where like the majority of people didn't question vaccines. It was still a very fringe topic. Thanks to 2020, if anything good came out of it, now a lot of people are becoming much more aware of one, the profit, the profits in vaccines, how they're pushed upon us, the the very sketchy science about it. And these are just topics now that we're, we're much more open to discuss with just normies, for lack of a better term. People are, are, are much more open to, to these possibilities. And it's thanks to you know, 2020 in many cases. I mean, Bill Gates, before 2020, it's almost like you could trick the majority of the population that he was a decent dude. And now with all, you know, just the rhetoric of everybody saying like, this guy's a criminal, this guy's a bad person, this guy's a bad person. People are like, okay, maybe there's something there. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe he is a bad person. I mean, this leads into the the reason why censorship is such a, a, a big deal is because when we do have these conversations, you know, you hear Charlie Robinson always tell a story about how he got into all this, how he wrote his first book, because it was a uh, Thanksgiving dinner that went wrong because he, you know, 9-11 got brought up or he brought 9-11 and he saw the whole, you know, the whole Thanksgiving dinner table kind of turn on him. And, uh, and, and I, you know, that's kind of the way it was. And now a lot of these topics, people, instead of turning on you will be like, Hmm, I'm going to listen because I think maybe there could be something there. I might've not looked into it, but, you know, I'm willing to listen to somebody who did look into it because it's not making sense anymore. Like the lies are making sense anymore. And I think for a long time, you know, and, and this is why, you know, I called I've been meaning to do another Rockfin show for a while called the Invisible War, or Invisible Battle. I don't know what I was going to call it, but it, like the point of that, of that title in that name is because us in the conspiracy theory world, for lack of a better term, we have been fighting this battle with like big pharma, getting the, the this information out there, fighting against censorship, fighting against, you know, just kind of making people aware of like, this is how the world really works. Like you're being lied to about this, you're being lied to about that. And, but most people were going on with their everyday lives and these issues they didn't think really affected them. It was just like, okay, you guys keep fighting that fight over there. I'm going to go on with my life. I'm going out to dinner with the wife. I'm going, you know, bringing my kids to school. Yeah, whatever. I don't care what you guys are doing over there. You get your little corner, do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Well, for a long time, that's the way the world worked. You know, we had us that were doing our thing and they were doing their thing. If you wanted to be completely ignorant to, or, you know, or naive to the way the world worked, you could do that. That's fine. You know, and, and, and we could do our thing. We could talk about how you guys have been brainwashed and no, you know, and, and like I said, we have our, we each have our own corner. Well, 2020 came around and it's like those two worlds just butt heads because now what happened was like, Hey, you know, all that shit that I was saying that you were ignoring, well, you can't ignore it anymore. Now it's in your life. It's in, it's affecting your ability to go to work. It's affecting your ability to bring your kids to school. It's affecting you having to wear a mask or not wear a mask. It's affecting, you know, all these things you from being able to see your friends, you know, you to be able to to see your friends without fighting about if you got the vaccine or didn't get the vaccine or, or if the lockdowns made sense or didn't make sense and all this other stuff. So it, it, it kind of got to a point where just like, you know, you want to shake people and it's like, listen, people like we've been warning you, we've been warning you that this is serious. And this is this there's there is some type of end game in regards to like these goals that they have. And 
if we don't, if we're not aware of those goals and we don't, we're not aware of what they're attempting to do, you know, they're going to do it. They're going to win. And you're, and you're seeing that you're seeing that so many people who were naive to the idea of like tracking everybody naive to the, the, fact of of depopulation naive to the fact they wanted to vaccinate everybody you know all those people now it's like you see like you're their plans coming together and it's so obvious now that you can't ignore it but it in a sense it's almost too late too because now it's already in motion it's already in motion and how do we stop it you know and so it's you know there's a little bit of frustration you know sometimes when i think about these things because i'm just like all you people that were calling us crazy, you know, our families that called us crazy, our, our, our friends that wouldn't, you know, listen to us and called us conspiracy theorists. Well, guess what, man, we were, we were right. And of just about everything that, I mean, even with my podcast, you can go back and listen to my podcast in, in the height of the lockdown, you know, some of the things that were really radical at the time, like calling it a bad flu and people would lose their fucking minds on social media. If you ever refer to it as a bad flu, now it's, it's like completely social, socially acceptable to be like, yeah, I know it's a bad flu, but now it's always a, but now it's like, okay, we, okay. I accept that it's a bad flu. You're right about that. But the old people or, but the, it's like, listen, fuckers, like people in, the U.S. don't give a shit about old people. Like you go to other countries and they look down upon the way we we, we take care of our elderly. Because in a, you you go back to Portugal, you know where your your parents live. They live with you. You know you know where you like where your grandparents live. They live with you. Like everybody lives together. You take care of them because they took care of you. And and now all of a sudden, all the people who were too busy. To, to to take care of grandmother like hey, we got to go throw grandmother in the old home because i, I got to go to work i don't have time for this shit you know all of a sudden it's like stay at home and save a grandmother it's like no you didn't give a shit it just fits your, your narrative now yeah and i'm right there with you i think maybe we can get into that a little bit more because it, it's yeah i i hope you made more leeway than i have with my family because it, it kind of gets me really upset and that's why i love talking about this because i think a lot of people can probably resonate with you know the reality of it is like when i talk to my family about some of this stuff it, they don't they don't agree with me and they don't really look at me like you know i know what i'm talking about you know so when i name my podcast this is very true and and i care about them so much that i want to be like no 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 don't trust this you got to look into this you got to try this instead so i mean obviously the holistic route is something that you and i both know is just it just makes sense it's proven there's evidence for it. You know, I don't think people need to hear that. But if people were maybe new to this stuff and they wanted to try to get informed better and and they wanted to, you know, have a better idea of this, if they got into a conversation with their family, they can have a more intelligent conversation about it that might actually help their family members like where would you turn them to i mean obviously dr brzezinski was mentioned but who are some of like the recent doctors i mean dr frank aeda was someone who we both spoke to on the union of the unwanted but someone maybe like an author that you've re- you've you've recently talked to or or someone like del bigtree like who would you say that people should turn to uh, as a good source for that kind of medical information obviously you know it's it's tough there's all this misinformation and then there's like oh well you got to trust only a doctor so you can't trust people who aren't doctors you know but there's plenty of doctors who are real doctors who are not you know 
supported by the mainstream because they go against the mainstream. So maybe you have some some places people can turn, Ricky. Does any does that come to mind? Anybody? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one documentary that I think is, is really important is The Big Secret. I think that was really good because it really went into because you talked about like, you know, the naturopathic way it's proven. Well, it absolutely because how the hell did we get here? We got this far not using pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, we got this far because our immune systems are our best weapon against disease and, and sicknesses. I mean, even if you believe the vaccine science, like the idea still is provoking your body to create the antibodies. So in other words, your body's creating the cure or the method to fight the disease. So it's still like, it's not a foreign substance that is doing it for your body. It's your body doing it. So, I mean, that concept alone, you know, like I tell people, I'm like, what does that tell you? That tells you that your immune system is the best weapon. So we know of ways to keep our immune system strong. If we're healthy, we eat good foods, you know, things that are nutritionally dense. We, we look at, we, we look at the quality of food. We look at, you know, just exercising vitamin D, staying active. When you look at like, you know, my parents were, were farmers from Northern Portugal uh, when I was, I was born there, but I came here young. So I, I don't have much of, you know, I didn't spend much time there, but when they came to America, they try to kind of continue their lifestyles in regards to like farming animals and having gardens and stuff like that. And so they were always outside. They were always doing stuff. That's the way they were, they were raised. That's the way they live. Well, those are people who live the longest, you know, you look at like stress, the, the, the amount of deaths directly or indirectly related to stress is just phenomenal. I mean, it just, it puts a whole strain on your immune system, your body, all this stuff, gut health, you know, I've seen it where like, I'll have gut health issues when I'm like really stressed with work and not getting enough sleep. And I just don't feel right. And I'll have to take some probiotics and prebiotics and stuff and kind of rebuild my gut and, and hope that I can, I can feel better, but it's directly related to stress and a lack of sleep. And, and then your quality of sleep is hurt by stress. So it's like our bodies are, we're designed as humans. We're designed at, from years and years and years of doing physical things and physical labor, our bodies are designed for that. What our bodies aren't designed for is all this stress that we have in our daily lives, right? Like the worrying, worrying about deadlines, worrying about this email, that email, it's weekends. Oh, your boss still wants you to, to do this or do that or get this done for Monday. And it's like, you never get the punch out where you talk to uh, anthropologists. I mean, they'll tell you like, our primitive ancestors, even though we we look at it like their lives were much harder than ours, they weren't. They they ate, they you know they hunted, they gathered, but then they had a lot of downtime. They had a, you know they eventually had a lot of downtime, and they and really even if you were spending a lot of time doing those physical activities, your body was designed for that, and 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 it's not designed for all this you know this mental stress that we, that we deal with. I, I kind of use a like a, a car as a example, like a car is designed to move, you know, things stay lubricated, things, you know, the, the rust doesn't gather on the brakes because you're constantly using them and they're and the tires are, are, are moving while, while you drive it. But you park a car and you store it for a couple of years, you would assume like, oh, start it up, everything will be fine. No, nothing works and everything's broken and things, you know, corroded and there's rust on this and rust on that because that car was designed to move. It wasn't designed. Our bodies are the same way. Our bodies are designed to move. It's not designed to sit still. That's why after a long drive, 
you'll be more tired than the f- physical activity you did before or after that drive. It's just, it's the drive that, that made you tired. So, you know, people have to realize that like there's, we're, they're pushing a very unnatural way of life on top of us. And then they're giving us pills to deal with all those negative effects of that unnatural way of living. So it's like, you know, here's some poor quality food, eat on the go. Don't even take time to sit down and eat. Like just go, go, go eat on the go and get a snack at the convenience store. You know, we're, we all understand food isn't supposed to last that long. I go to a local bakery, loaf of bread goes bad in a couple of days. Why the hell does a loaf of bread I buy at a big store, you know, last for a month or two months? It's like, that doesn't make sense. That's not really bread. You know what? And, and everything you put in your body is either hurting you or helping you. And if it's not helping you, it's hurting you. So, but if you look at like the food industry, like all these things are intertwined. You look at the the lack of science in, in the food industry. I remember when Gary Tobbs tells his story. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's the one who wrote the case against the case against sugar. And he was a, a scientist who would write about science and somebody and he would normally write about like, you know, science that was done incorrectly or bad science. And they're like, hey, you know, so some of his buddies are like, hey, if you want to find some really bad science, go look into the nutritional world. So and then he he went he dove deep into that and he ended up going into the nutritional world and he's like, holy shit, like all these things that they're saying, like, you know, fats are causing this and cholesterol is is causing heart attacks. Like there's no science or bad science kind of promoting or backing these these philosophies. And so he wrote The Case Against Sugar. He's also in a great documentary called Sugar Coated, which is another great documentary that goes into how the sugar industry basically did what the tobacco industry did. They They end up hiring a bunch of shitty doctors to basically defend a perspective they wanted them to defend. And that's say, hey, you know what? Like sugar's not what's causing all this obesity. Sugar's not what's causing all this, you know, heart disease and all these medical issues that were that are increasing. It's fats with no evidence whatsoever. And they just came up with some really flimsy, you know, science. And they're like, hey, this is, you know, this is how we proved it. Here we go. And it literally changed the way generations of people ate. Where like today, there's still people who will get the low fat this, the low fat that, the one percent. I mean, prior to to this whole you know sugar industry conspiracy, that th- those things didn't exist. There was no low fat milk and sour cream and and whatever. And so what they wanted to do was make fats the culprit, and then you look at sugar like it was an empty calorie. This idea of like don't even think, don't worry about it. Little do people know that the sugar industry is huge and making millions and billions. And, and there's giant organizations that have influence on, on, on this science. I mean, when we were growing and up. And it's a monopoly too, right? Only one company, isn't it? Domino Sugar that owns like most of the, the rest of the, like the islands that produce all this sugar cane. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just about. And you find that the same thing with like, you know, Tyson Foods, you know, like how they have all these little companies that end up being owned by Tyson foods, but they they'll call it like something farm and, and they'll be like, Oh, that sounds like healthier than Tyson, you know, food. Let me get this. And it's like the same company, the same, same stuff. So it's like this idea of like eating. I mean, that's why when people are like vitamins don't work or that doesn't work, I'm like, well, does eating healthy work? Your doctor will, the same doctor that tells you vitamins don't work will be the same doctor that tells you eating healthy will inc- will help your health and it's like well e- why does eating healthy 
help my health because I'm getting vitamins and minerals and more nutrition out of those foods, right? Well, if I'm getting a vitamin that are just extracts of those vitamins and minerals and nutrition that you think are, that are in those foods that we all agree will help my health, how is that any fucking different? So if you can, you know, find out like, okay, I need vitamin D deficient or I'm this deficient or that deficient, you can plug that into your diet, you know, from a from a vitamin because sometimes it's much easier just to take a vitamin than it is to to try to eat more that has those those vitamins that you need, then that that works, you know. So it's like there's and and don't get me wrong, like there's really bad vitamin companies that ruin it for everybody because they end up being tested and then come to find out it's like what they're saying is in there isn't what's in there and then you get the argument that like oh well they don't have to be you know they're not fda approved and and they don't have to go through any any process where people are are you know basically making sure that what they're selling you is what uh, they is stated on the bottle i'm like well that's because a lot of things like if if you're talking about vitamin c and zinc and all these things that come from food if there's not a lot of money in it, because these things can't be patent, you know, because they're foods, they're natural uh, ingredients. Now, pharmaceutical companies can deal with the whole FDA approval process because those things have to be patent. Foods don't. Natural things don't have to be, can't be patent. And because they can't be patent, that means they, they can't make, you know, loads of money that other products can. So that means if you had to make them go through all these extra hula hoops that a prescription drug goes through, then basically like it just be no profit in it and nobody would would be selling this stuff so that's one of the other issues but yeah i mean we if you just look at the history of like the sugar industry the cholesterol the you know the statins i mean these things i mean there's just so poor science and all this stuff i mean the fact that lipitor can be so toxic to your liver and nobody ever says like hey you know maybe we should be concerned about that everybody tells you that like oh you should go on a you know this drug because your cholesterol is high and and nobody explains you the science or the lack of science that actually proves that there's a direct correlation between, you know, heart attacks and high cholesterol. I mean, my dad has, I, I translate for my dad when he goes to the, uh, the doctor, he has the highest cholesterol out of all this, his doctor's patients. And he has more energy than me. He nonstop, he drinks wine every night with his dinner. He probably has a shot of brandy before he goes to bed every night, wakes up early, you know, dude is nonstop. And it's like, you know, that I remember as a kid, like that was the first time I started being kind of skeptical about like cholesterol. I'm like, well, I don't get it. This guy's telling me that cholesterol is going to kill my dad. Every year I'm arguing with my dad, like, hey, we keep going back. Your cholesterol's so high. And the doctor is saying you're going to die, man, if you don't change your lifestyle. But every every year goes by, I'm like, well, I'm starting to become less skeptical yeah, or more skeptical of what this doctor is telling me because I'm arguing my dad to change his lifestyle. He's an old school Portuguese European guy who just, you know, that's the way he was raised. He's never going to change. And so I'm like, and he's not dead yet, you know? And I remember, I don't remember what his cholesterol number was, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I thought it was his credit score. Like somebody missed misspoke and i'm like did you just read off his credit score because i'm like that seems kind of high and so the, the that was one of the first things that planted the seed about like just uh how i d didn't know if like the information that the doctor was telling me was true or not it was like okay i'm starting to be skeptical about like your knowledge and how how if things really are as dire as you're making them thing, things out to be and and really i i think the food industry and and the naturopathic world and and you know alternative medicines and and that type of world when you go into that big pharma and 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 just looking at all that history of how 
naturopathic medicines were at one point acceptable and then eventually became to the point where now everybody just calls it pseudoscience and and bullshit even though like people who live the longest or or foreigners who still use like these exotic teas and and do all these things that come from plants you know and it's like i think mark bell said it on my show or we we talked about it how you know this philosophy is like use meats as your your food and then plants as your medicine you live like that you know you're you're gonna be okay you know you'll be fine and and so when you go into that that's like a conspiracy that isn't super controversial and you can really uncover pretty quickly and and find out that like okay if something like our health can be controlled and if people can make us sick knowingly and again i'm not this isn't speculation i mean they knowingly you know give you drugs that they know could do harm they knowingly sell drugs i mean think about the fda approval process you know how how much of it is just a illusion and and people go to the fda and cdc and they respect these organizations that just this is for a normie listening how can a drug be fda approved to be safe and the whole point of the fda is so we're not guinea pigs so and then it's like okay by the time it gets on the market we know for sure that it's safe people can consume it and you know and and we're not going to be guinea pigs for some new product first of all that product only has to be the equivalent to a placebo so in other words it has to be as good as nothing <laughs> you know basically and and then these drugs get FDA approved and soon after they get ripped off the market. You see attorneys commercials on TV saying "Did your friend die of this, or your loved one die of this, you know, call our, our law office. So what does that tell you? That tells you the FDA approval process is bullshit. Yaz is a perfect example of it. Yaz was one that was put on the market. You know, they, they promoted the shit out of it and then immediately taken off the market because there's so many people that are having ad- adverse reactions and dying from it. You know, so it's like this whole vaccine thing of like, oh, vaccines, like people are having adverse reactions. Like, this isn't news to me. Like everything the pharmaceutical companies do, it, you know, it isn't a surprise. Like they have a history of putting out things that they tell you is safe to take. Then they get sued because it killed some people. And then and then, and then research or, or, or files come become public showing that they knew that it, it was, you know, it was going to do these things, that they knew there was a possibility, you know. And the, the other thing, thing too is Big Pharma does their own research. Like, think about it. Like, they don't have a third... Well, they don't have... The FDA doesn't, you know, test these things for safety. They do it. You know, so they hire, you know, a university or whoever to do it. They end up establishing a pretty friendly relationship because you're paying these people for this research. And guess what? If the research proves your product to be unsafe, there's no law saying that they have to make that public. So you could show there was years ago and this was like I think it was might have even been a, like a really old Alex Jones episode way back in the day of like a Pfizer employee, some whistleblower who came out and said that you know she was talking about how they would do certain studies and how they would manipulate them like if they had like for example like 20 mice and like 10 of them died they would get 10 more. And then if five of them died, they would get five more. And then until they had 20 mice it's like hey look all good, no adverse reactions, and and how and there was nobody overseeing those studies to prove to, to to really make public that those things happened. So I mean, it's just it's so obvious. Like people who have been in this world of big pharma, of how how they've been just making people sicker, how they've been 
I mean, the goal is to get everybody on a pill. And the, and now it's like the goal is to get everybody on a vaccine and just keep milking that cow. I mean, Chris Rock, you're a comedian fan. Chris Rock said it, you know, there's no money in a cure. There's a money in a pill, you know, and, and I don't even, I've been ranting for so long. I don't even know what your question was. <laughs> no, you're, you're hitting on all the things I'd hope you, you would have, because this is all essential information for people. If they haven't been awoken to this kind of, realization that yeah the medical industry is looking to keep you sick and take advantage of your weakened immune system i mean and we're seeing it more and more and it's a great way to circle back to what you said previously about 2020 because you know if it's not obvious by now then i think you're sold down the river but this has been a fantastic episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, Ricky. I really appreciate it. I wish my co-host was here because he would agree with all of this. And we got to have you back on when he's here for sure. But tell the listeners where they can find you and what to uh, expect in the near future. If you got anything coming out, any new episodes they can look forward to. Yeah. Well, so you can find me at com. That will have links to a bunch of my other stuff, my my video channels, like my Odyssey channel, BitChute, Float, all that stuff, uh, Rockfin, and also uh, any podcast app. So iTunes, Spotify, any of those places, you just look up the Ripple Effect podcast, you'll find it. And then also, you know, many uh, video platforms, like I just mentioned. And then I'm also on a bunch of social media places facebook twitter instagram so if you want to see pictures of what i ate or my kids or anything silly like that follow me on instagram and it's a mixture of like podcast stuff and and also my personal stuff and also facebook and and yeah and then coming up i i actually have the founder of rockfin on this week so i've been kind of we were emailing about something else and i'm like you know what let me have this dude on i kind of want to pick his brain kind of get a sense of who he is and, and whatnot. So I think with Rockfin becoming such a, a home for so many people in the alternative media community, it's uh, it, it's kind of great to, to get a chance to see, you know, who's behind it and his, you know, who he is as a person. And then also I got Del Bigtree coming back up, coming on the show and I'm, I'd have to look at my schedule, but I'm, yeah, Del Bigtree is another one that I'm really excited about having back on. And I'm trying to think who else is coming on in the near future that i'm aware of i don't know but if you fall actually if you if you're a patreon supporter usually i let my patreon supporters know who's coming on i kind of give them an advance notice on on who's being booked or who i'm talking to because usually most podcasters they don't share that stuff and next thing you know the show's released and you're like whoa what you know this is cool you're having this guy on but i let people kind of see behind the curtains a little bit i'll let them know that like hey i'm working on this or i'm in talks with this person and i'm trying you know just kind of give them a perk for for supporting the show but a lot of people are jumping ship on patreon because patreon has been jumping ship on us so they yeah they they kicked off corbett and last american vagabond Do you have a, another membership area that people can go to like directly to your website yet or or is that something you're you're planning on creating <laughs> well it's funny you say that because i'm actually in conversations I, I i've been for a while i've been procrastinating about this uh, because i'm like oh i have patreon and then now you know not too long ago i got rockfin so i have what and then i have a paypal account if people want to uh, donate but i'm like i really should get my own my own website and, you know, but I'm like, you know, most people listen to my show, these long form conversations, they listen to them on a podcast app. So I'm like, you know, that's still most of the way people get my podcast, you know, and have a merch store, you know, if people want to get a uh, merchandise. Well, but, 
You you know that when you make a Patreon that you can get that on a podcast app too, right? All the audio you put on your Patreon is create they create an RSS feed for you. But we'll get into that later, folks. Thanks for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Ricky, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you being here. And please go check him out on the Union of the Unwanted every other Monday, right? Every twice a month. And and on the ripple effect, of course, which is uh Coming at you soon with a new episode with Dell Bigtree and the founder of Rockfin. Mark is bananas. Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I Don't listen crazy to him. So Follow us on Patreon.com slash MFTIC. That's Patreon.com slash MFTIC. Oh!